Initial reactions to the Resurrection episode number six that was entitled Home, along with comments and questions live from the fans coming up. Welcome to Resurrection Revealed. Welcome home. This is Resurrection Revealed, the unofficial podcast and blog by fans and for fans with theories and talk all about ABC's Resurrection. This is our 13th episode recorded live April 13th, 2014. And with you once again, I'm Wayne Henderson. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, just glad that it's not Friday the 13th when we record our 13th episode, although some bad luck does seem to be flowing through Arcadia. Did you like that? Flowing? I get it. That's good. Oh, man. As a reminder, show notes for this episode are going to be found over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 13. And it's all over the map tonight once again, although a little bit slower. You know, I, I have to say out of the gate this evening, Wayne, you know, big, big push last week, big excitement. This one kind of felt like a little bit of a setup episode. Really? I didn't catch that. I know that last week, you know, like you said, totally crazy nonstop. But I felt myself just sitting back for the first part of the episode, soaking in some excellent acting by almost every single person that was on the screen. And then, of course, the second half of the episode, things start going crazy. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The acting is you know, top notch all around, you know, the, the, the little nuances, the little tricks, the little things that play in, you know, Helen this week, really good job by Veronica Cartwright, uh, Gary Humphrey, awesome job by Kevin Sizemore. Again, Mark Hildreth, you know, playing pastor Tom, you know, to the T right. You know, just doing absolutely excellent work. And then of course, you know, everything that Kurtwood and Francis are doing with, you know, with, uh, Jacob, you know, with Landon Jimenez, I mean, all the actors on this show really do make it interesting to say the least. But the one thing that I thought was a little weird and I, and I couldn't put my finger on it. It was Omar Epps and Devin Kelly working this week together. And did you get the feeling that Bellamy was, you know, I would say half angry about the fact that she brought in Eric, but also half kind of angry that he might've been jealous about Eric a little bit. I didn't pick up on that at first because you know, it really seems like Bellamy is so against outsiders coming in that, of course, he's going to be nervous about it. But now that he sees there is a little bit of a chemistry thing between the two of them, I think he's even more against it. But on the other hand, he's trying to think with his brain that, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to have Jacob, you know, leave town and go to where was it? Uh, Bethesda, Maryland. You know, they could take, take in a uh, Ravens game and... Uh, you know, not too far from Neil from Bowie. He probably has some inside information about this facility. Yeah, I'd like to know if like the NIH exists as some kind of government agency today in present life, or if that's something they made up for the show. Because you know, you know about you know about the CDC and Health and Human Services. So I'm curious if NIH actually exists in real life somehow, some way. Well, and of course, it's interesting how Eric from NIH, he's got quite the pickup line there where he tells her, imagine what we could do with a federal discretionary budget. <laughs> Such romance in that, man. A discretionary budget, to say the least, right? Since they're, we're all in debt. So where is that money coming from? Oh, wait, Caleb funded it, I'm sure. <laughs> he's funded quite a few things. I did like how right off at the, right off the bat at the very beginning, we got 
answers that even in Arcadia, Missouri, the sheriff's station does have video surveillance. So, of course, watch the tape, digital as it is, over and over and over to try to find a clue how Caleb escaped. And really, there's nothing on that uh, clip that will solve anything for us. Well, I don't know if it was digital or not. The way he was working that keyboard, backing it up and advancing again, seemed more like a VCR, kind of rewind, replay, rewind, replay. It didn't seem very digital to me. Details, details. What they needed to have was the camera focused on the water cooler. Or more importantly, focused on the floor to see if the money was still there. Yeah, we still want to know that. That would be something that would be conveniently uh, uh, missed. Yeah, so if you if you ended up re-watching last week's episode, episode 5, Insomnia, go ahead and give us a call at 904-469-7469. Let us know if you think the money was actually still there on the floor after Omar dropped it at the, at the cell. Uh, actually, in the chat room, Neil has confirmed being that Neil from Bowie, close to NIH headquarters, it does exist, and it's at 31 Center Drive in Bethesda, Maryland, 20892. So feel free to send in your fan mail to them and say, please don't torture Jacob. No, be very nice to Jacob. And Neil, if you get any inside information out of that place, uh, you can go ahead and send it our way. That would be uh, very, very nice indeed. Now, of course, Eric Ward there from the NIH in Bethesda, bringing up the old multiverse sci-fi theory right off the bat. Right off the bat, bring back memories of Fringe and other science fiction shows. So I think it's gone from a mystery series to possibly science fiction just like that. Well, here's the thing. So I think these writers are very clever. Just like they had the alien shout out a couple episodes ago with Jacob shining the light on the stars and it looks like the alien coming down to take him away. Ray knows. So I, think, I think they're throwing in these red herrings to tie to this you know, multi, multi-dimensional sci-fi kind of stuff. You know, I still think it's a spiritual show at the core, a humanity show at the core, you know, and they just like throwing these in here just to get the fans goats at the at the end of the day. Right. But at the same time, it it's, you know, they could have gone with a simpler sci-fi premise and just talked about, you know, an alternate universe or a resetting of a timeline or something. But no, they went full bore with multiverse, you know, I <laughs> and like like you're saying in the chat room, Neil and uh, Stephen and the the others mentioning that. Maybe, like you said, Troy, putting that out there kind of makes it so that we can dismiss it right away. But uh, I don't know. I, something's you know going on, that's for sure. Well, what do they say? You know, when, when all else doesn't seem to be explainable, the, the most obvious answer is the truth. So maybe it is multiverse. Who knows? <laughs> that's the obvious answer, of course. <laughs> there are there are two rivers, right? Oh. And there you go two different ways, two different paths. So maybe that has something to play with it. The one thing that I really like this week, and I think somebody had mentioned this on Twitter uh, earlier in the week as we were kind of ramping up for this week's episode, and I paid closer attention to the opening credits because we've been saying it's like you know uh, a tree and it's like multiple images of a tree. Yes. But what they were saying was was that if you look at the tree, it's almost like it's a main river that has multiple branches of a river. So because they have this you know two rivers kind of coming together kind of thing. Maybe it's a flash forward kind of tie in with multiple paths of how you do things. That's a good one. Plus, of course, we had uh, uh, I think it was Maggie who told our dear friend from Bethesda that she has roots in Arcadia. So another little tie into the whole tree thing. Uh, and she, she was really reluctant to go with Eric, too, towards the end of the episode. You could see that Eric was having this real big push on, you know, Maggie, you know, I got my heart for you. Come on with me. 
And Maggie's like, you can keep trying, but I'm staying put. Absolutely. Now, of course, before we get to the big crazy stuff is hitting the wall all over the place. I did want to touch a little bit on the fact that, uh, you know, we've got poker night with the guys and uh, Gary Humphrey played by Kevin Sizemore. He is conspicuously absent from the poker night, but at the same time, some of the other guys there appear to have this secret arsenal hidden in this locked room, which for me kind of reminded me of something that we might see in Chester's mill on under the dome. It was a very creepy scene. Let let me ask you a question right off the bat, Troy. If someone invites you over, they have a private room that's locked and they open up the door and you see all that weaponry do you walk into that room with this other creepy person? Absolutely not. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Not doing it would have been the right move. I'm so I thought for sure something bad was going to happen. As cool as some of that weaponry might be, there's no way in heck I am walking into a room with only one other person present because you don't know if they're going to kill you, if they're going to slam the door on you, especially when the room has a secret, you know, electronic key code combination on it. Not only good. one or two people must know that. Yeah, I'm not walking into that room. No way. No way, no how. So it begs the question, you know, when they're kind of admitting to Sheriff Fred that they've got this arsenal and that, you know, if things ever go off the rails, we've got your back. Do you think they're being honest with that or were they trying to intimidate Sheriff Fred? That's a really good question, actually, because I was thinking about that myself, because if they're all friends with Gary and Gary and the sheriff have this altercation in the bar, like, yeah, you're not doing anything. You're getting coffee. Um, So Gary's obviously kind of ticked off at him a little bit. So are they really on the sheriff's side or are they really just trying to kind of get his goat and say, look, dude, don't cross us. Stay out of our way. We'll stay out of yours kind of thing. I think it could go either way at this point because there was a little bit of intimidation going on at different points during the episode, but then we get kind of a reflective Fred Langston there at the end. I wanted to, and we of course will go more into depth in all of this on our full episode discussion later this week, Wednesday night, and we'll release it Thursday morning. But just off the bat, I thought it was cool how he got out his wedding ring out of the bedside drawer and kind of sets it on the nightstand instead of in the drawer it kind of made me think that he's secretly hoping that his wife does come back, that she's going to be one of the next returned to returned. Well, here was my, so I I looked at that scene as two ways. I saw number one, this is a really great scene because it shows that the sheriff is finally open to the idea that the returned are actually really people, real people. And that he's open to the idea that, you know, could Barbara come back and reconcile, you know, whatever the affair was that she had with Sam Catlin. But at the same time, I was also like, come on, guys, you know, you have the week off next week. You know that you just had this huge epic moment with Caleb disappearing last week. And the whole time he's playing with that wedding ring, I'm like, just put it on your finger. If you put it on your finger, Barbara's going to walk through the door. Put it on your finger. Come on, put it on your finger. And then he doesn't put it on his finger and Barbara doesn't come back. So I thought that's where it was a little bit of a letdown this week from last week. Cause I needed that kind of cliffhanger to keep me going for the two week break. <laughs> I think he's halfway there. Maybe in the next episode, he'll get it all the way on his finger. And a question that I'd love to hear fans calling with their theories, because obviously the show resurrection is so full of metaphors. So again, keep this number handy. It's area code 904-469-7469 or 
Go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback and use the speak pipe widget on there and you can leave your voice feedback, be part of the full discussion. But one of the things that I wanted to know, whether this was a metaphor or just a cool looking scene was, do you suppose when we had Jacob and his mother, you know, drawing chalk all over the sidewalk and they both kind of blew the chalk dust into the air off of the sidewalk, do you think that represents something? And if so, what? Yeah, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? I thought for sure this is another part where, you know, Henry's sitting on the porch, he's talking to Bellamy, the two guys that have kind of bonded over this. And as she blew that dust, I was like, boom, he's gone. Caleb, you know, uh, Jacob's going to be gone. Just any second now, he's going to disappear. No, no, he's still there. Darn it. <laughs> Come on. But I think right before that, though, what was really great was the the little path with the houses, because at first it didn't look like it was a road. And then it's like, oh, OK, it's a road. So it's two sides of the street. But I thought at first it was like, ooh, maybe this is like a mirror image, kind of like multiverse or alternate timelines or whatever, oh my. because there's reflections of the houses on either side of the river. But then it was a road and I was like, ooh, darn. But it could have been cool, too. And they definitely had the cliffhanger at the end where why on earth would Rachel get in the car with this deputy? He didn't really look fully trained. Well, he's it's a sheriff. You know, I mean, it's a, it, you got a badge. You get in the car with the guy with a badge. Not me. She's already blown the blown the coop because she talked to Helen when she opened up the door. You know, rule number one, if someone knocks on the door, don't open it without looking through the peephole. Especially when you're at a motel and other people think you're in Tennessee visiting family. So we want to know your thoughts on that. If you're <sighs> staying at a hotel, do you make sure you get a hotel that has a common hallway inside or do you get yes. one that has a door to the outside? Because... The door to the outside always creeped me out. Oh, absolutely. I, myself, my vote, Troy, would be the hallway. And I'm on an upper floor, possibly, if I could afford it, um, in a room that people would require a special key code just to access the elevator. Now, of course, I know on a lot of shows there's still ways to bypass that. We saw that on uh, Modern Family a week or two ago. But but still, uh, it's, uh, it makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> now, let's go ahead and... We've been kind of toying around this. The scene in the church where all sorts of insanity goes off. I really was on the edge of my couch because I was nervous. I was upset. I was shocked and amazed. All those emotions ran through my head during this scene in the church because, I mean, first we've got Gary Humphreys. He's going off on Pastor Tom and Agent J. Martin Bellamy, and it kind of turned it into a whole mob scene. Yeah, I mean, I was really hoping for one of those kind of CNN, uh, you know, the poll meters, like, you know, ra- you know, the approval rating going up and down as the debate went along, because you got the start of this episode or the start of the scene. And Tom's like, you know, I believe Jacob is really who he is. And in my heart of hearts, he's awesome. Everybody's like, praise God. Amen. Yes. Preach it, brother. And at the end, Helen's like, yeah, you're not my pastor because you're a lying baby knock person. And we're all walking out. It's like, wow, this is just like the most weird dynamic we've ever seen. Plus, I don't know how voters meetings go at your church, Wayne, but uh, I've never seen fisticuffs ever happen actually at a voters meeting. No, I have not. And they're usually a lot calmer, at least in, in my area. But I must say, it, Pastor Tom handled it really well, considering that he has been lying a bit to his wife. But on the other hand, we really don't know if Rachel is carrying Tom's baby. This is true. Yeah, we still wondered, you know, what happened before the uh, suicide. 
you know, Kathleen Monroe did say in her interview, which you can still hear over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Kathleen. If you listen to that episode, she did confirm that it's suicide because that's what was written in the script. And that, but we still don't know like what caused the suicide, what caused her to want to drive off the bridge. Some people are still having the theory that she had an affair on Tom and it might not be Tom's baby because that's why she said to Maggie in last week's episode, oh, please don't tell Tom, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And that's kind of the theory I'm going to back as far as what's probably happening here. But, uh, you know, Pastor Tom and. Then he he turns into the stand-up guy. Obviously, this was filmed long before we had last week's episode of the podcast. But, you know, maybe he knew that fans would be saying, come on, Tom, own up, tell your wife. But uh, it doesn't go all that well because uh, Janine, that's his wife's name, right? She she decides to just leave, at least for now, because not only is she not sorry that she told Helen, which I thought, oh, my goodness, that's crazy. Don't tell her. But she also left because she thinks she knows that Pastor Tom is still in love with Rachel. Well, he pretty much confirmed that by saying nothing at all, right? It's not so much the fact that he lied about her not being in Tennessee. It's the fact that, you know, he's like, well, and and was really powerful too was the scene at the table where you thought that they were going to reconcile over this whole thing earlier in the episode. And they're like, well, we've been trying to have a baby for three years. Now you have a potential baby coming you know, where am I? Am I chopped liver in this? Are we together? And he's like, no, no, I'm totally committed to you. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, well, you still love her, don't you? No response. So mm-hmm. it clearly shows that Tom is struggling with his own inner demons as, you know, it, as it relates to Rachel. But at the same time, he should have said something at that exact moment. Uh, I mean, you've got to admit, you know, obviously we haven't been in that same situation before, but that would be a very, very difficult conversation to have with your spouse if all this happened that way and even if it is his baby obviously it would have been conceived long before he even knew his wife the only the big problem i see is the fact that he does still seem to be in love with her and uh like allison krauss said in that one song you know you say it best when you say nothing at all but in pastor tom's case he said it the worst when he said nothing at all right absolutely So let's get into the fun stuff because we only got a few minutes left for this evening. And of course, we'll probably want to dig into this in our full episode later this week. But um, the one thing Mr. Ward did add this evening was another shout out to all the Lost fans because he's like, well, you know, I don't know about this multiverse thing, but I do have a really cool theory that if you do some really, really wonky math, you know, do some division here, do some parallels and some you know, uh, degrees on a map and all this other stuff. And you push it all together, you get 0.38 rounded to the nearest hundredth. And if you keep doing that for everybody that's come back. And then the the first thing I said in my mind was like, okay, wait, the baby, the baby's got to be factored in here somewhere differently. Your theory's wrong. And then I was like, wait, no, he said, it's all a matter about where, when they died and how long they've been dead and then where they come back. So in that case, technically Rachel's formula is also the baby's formula. So it still works. And of course, we get 0.38, which, of course, if anybody knows from the gun conversation, is actually a weapon, uh, a, a 0.38 caliber bullet, right? Right. Uh, cal- a 0.38, it's a pistol, I believe, right? 0.38 caliber pistol. So is that something tied together? I don't know. But 0.38, very interesting numbers coming into play once again. I hope that doesn't mean we're going to have to start doing math. <laughs> That's going to make the show difficult. <laughs> 
I think Neil confirmed the formula was latitude divided by number of years gone. Well, instead of me doing any math, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up Neil to be our statistician and to help sort things out so we can make sense of who's come. Maybe we can find out who's gonna return next and when and where before they, you know, kind of tell us on the show. My my bet is uh, Sheriff Fred's wife is gonna come back, and that's gonna complicate other issues. Of course, who we still don't know who is it that's living in that house where that. Uh, the guy who the bald man from the factory went in on was that episode one or two and he said they found us and that's one thing that it's really been scratching my head it's like maggie had this really powerful you know thing happen to her in the first two episodes with this you know the sheriff might not be her father and then it's just like oh no 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 you know sam tells maggie you know i'm not your father you know and they just kind of dismiss it from there so maybe it is what it is on the surface but it just seemed like it could go so much deeper and then they kind of tease that with you know who's in the house with Sam. So hopefully we get that answer before the end of this first season because we only got two left and we're going to spend a lot of time, I think, looking for Rachel in episode seven. Yeah, they're going to have to tell us, especially kind of strange how, you know, he said they found us. And then, of course, since she didn't tell anybody, nobody else has bothered them. They're back to just hiding out in the cabin, whoever they are. Yeah, but all in all, I think you know this episode was was definitely a setup episode for the next two. So we kind of had the initial big shocker to get everybody like hyped up and like, oh, I got to see what happens. But now you have the setup, so it's like, okay, I got to see how this plays out. So we'll take the week off next week. So no live show for Easter Sunday, and then we'll be back on the twenty seventh. I believe that is the Sunday after that. Twenty seventh and May fourth is the finale. Exactly. So they, these final two episodes are going to be wild and uh i know that we try to remain as spoiler free as possible so i won't mention what i saw in the promo for the episode in two weeks but as we've learned and we've touched on before from watching abc promos for lost and revenge and other shows like that that they purposely make things very misleading so there's no point in me really discussing what i saw in that promo if you didn't see it but on the other hand i think it's a red herring i totally do well, yeah, because they showed uh, Francis Fisher and Kurtwood running next to a fence and then then goes to Kurtwood that says, um, you know, I can't lose him again in last week's promo. And of course, one of those scenes didn't even happen this week. And then the, uh, you know, I hope I don't lose him again was totally taken out of context. So, yeah, watch the promos if you want, but uh, they don't tell you anything. <laughs> we just kind of wait, you know. We, of course, will have our full discussion episode a little later this week. and We want to include everybody else's thoughts and theories because Troy, you know, we do, you know, we might miss something here or there. <laughs> so give us a call at 904-469-7469 or go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback and let us know what you think is going on because, you know, we'd sure like to know, right? Absolutely. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in, and you can get the audio RSS feed right on the website at resurrectionrevealed.com. So make sure you tell all your friends because we want to keep this show alive. So head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, tell the fans that you totally love the show and the podcast, send in some audio, record it right from your computer or smartphone at resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback. That would be nice. I would love to hear it. You can also um, help keep the show alive. Head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash support. If you'd like to donate a few bucks uh, one time or even on a continuing basis, it'll help support the show. 
keep the bandwidth costs down, help keep the uh, website alive and all of those things rolling right along. Of course, you can always help out by going to resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes and leave us a five-star written review in iTunes. And our full episode is going to be out later this week with another special actor interview. But until then, I'm Wayne. And I'm Troy. Thanks for hanging with us live tonight on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.